Hi, everyone. This is Frank Fear, and you're listening to Under the Radar. I view this as, for at least for me, a special podcast because uh, although all the work that I do that ends up on this platform is relevant to me, um, this one is especially relevant because it gets um, at the core of my beliefs, philosophy, preferences for uh, society writ large and the approach that we take politically, economically, and democratically uh, to, to the work we do as Americans and the aspirations that we have as Americans. Uh, but as I wrote in the intro to this piece, if you read it on the uh, platform site at Anchor, um, you see, you saw that it's a, not an easy conversation because the concepts uh, can be a bit uh, cumbersome. Uh, concepts like neoliberalism and progressive capitalism. Um, I'm not an economist, but I've come to understand these concepts. And so really the purpose here is to communicate uh, in a way that uh, will be hopefully understandable to uh, a large uh, number of people. And I hope that's the outcome. Um, let me also say that this uh, contribution is very close to the themes of what I've been writing at LA Progressive. And so let me uh, uh, give a pitch and a, and a shout out to LA Progressive and really encourage all of you to uh, sign up to receive the daily newsletter. If you're not receiving it uh, already, it's uh, one word, laprogressive.com. Uh, and I don't think you'll be sorry. In fact, I think you'll be very glad if you do. So let's get into it. And the title of this piece is It's Time for a New Tina. Um, what does that mean? Well, the cry Tina, it's an acronym, T-I-N-A, stands for There Is No Alternative. And it goes back to at least 40 years, if not more than 40 years. And it's connected without question indelibly to British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher's work. But it's far from being just a British thing. Tina has had worldwide impact back then, through the decades, and certainly today, especially relevant for America. But let's talk about Margaret Thatcher first. For Thatcher, Tina represented an unbridled enthusiasm that she had for European-American style capitalism. And she was convinced that nothing should stand in its way. And let me share a few quotes with you. She said in 1979, help me liberate those who create wealth and make the wreckers run for cover. In 1976, she said in a speech, personal freedom and economic freedom are indivisible. You can't have one without the other. In 1987, she said, there is no such thing as society. There are only individuals and families. Well, Thatcher's views uh, came by way, influenced, I think is a better way to describe it, of British intellectual Herbert Spencer. Spencer believed firmly in laissez-faire government and in the free market system. He also embraced Darwin's survival of the fittest and thought it should apply liberally in society. So with those thoughts in mind, among others, Margaret Thatcher's leadership platform 
champion things like fiscal austerity and smaller government, deregulation, free trade, privatization of public services, and a rollback of the welfare state. She was very relevant for America because in the U.S., Ronald Reagan followed suit. We're talking about the 80s. While Tina got support from and generated considerable economic prosperity for the economic elite, it got a big boost from an unlikely audience, the middle class. Tina elevated middle class lifestyles, not by a little, but by a lot, to levels that many beneficiaries thought unimaginable. To set the hook, politicians around the world talked incessantly about how their policies would target and elevate the quote-unquote middle class. And over time, using that term middle class achieved what I think is dog whistle status. Consider how Thatcher used it. And when I read these words, it's a quote. Think about all the ways you could describe middle class and then consider the way that Thatcher did. In a speech, she said, if middle-class values include the encouragement of variety and individual choice, the provision of fair incentives and rewards for skill and hard work, the maintenance of effective barriers against the excessive power of government, and a belief in the wide distribution of individual property, then they are certainly what I'm trying to do and defend. I'm not talking about a fight for privilege. I'm talking about a fight for freedom. I will have to say, when I think of the middle class, none of what Thatcher just said comes to mind. The impact was more than economic. And let's turn attention to America. In America, because of Tina or neoliberalism, Starting in the late 70s, 80s primarily, people, parties, and politics migrated to the right. And what's extraordinary is that the deal wasn't sealed by likely suspects, including Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. The 1980s through the early 90s, those two played table-setting roles. It was Democrat Bill Clinton who sustained his predecessor's direction. And with that, the decade of the 1990s became the decade of Tina, or neoliberalism. So what's so bad about that? During that time, the gap between the rich and poor, between the affluent and those left behind, and between those with power and the powerless grew bigger and bigger, and it hasn't stopped. To remain viable, neoliberalism, or TINA, adjusted a bit. One adjustment, and I've written about this, is called progressive neoliberalism. It's an awkward term that blends progressivism and neoliberalism in hybrid form. Here's what progressive neoliberalism does. If you think of a coin, it accentuates each side of that coin. There is the social side, progressive, and the economic side, which is neoliberal. By including progressive ideas and priorities, 
and President Obama did that famously, Nia, uh, Tina morphed. It remained relevant, and it elongated its grip. What's the problem? Progressive neoliberalism has very little to do with what most of us think as progressivism writ large. It's really warmed over neoliberalism. It was easy to do that, too, because Tina neoliberalism didn't have a rival. And it's not just because Thatcher said so. There was really nothing except neoliberalism. And when Bernie Sanders and AOC and others began speaking expressively about an alternative, the response of 40 years earlier, and if you go back and read uh, Thatcher's speeches from the 70s and 80s, you'll realize that what she said back then was exactly the same thing that we heard recently. Bernie Sanders, he's a socialist. It's socialism. But here's the thing. It really isn't socialism in the way that many people think about socialism. And what's more, Tina, unbridled, is a destructive social force. The challenge is identifying a responsible alternative, one that fits the times, and being smart about advancing it. Now, here's what really concerns me about this year's election. Because Tina, or neoliberalism, has been in vogue for such a long time, it's very unlikely that a middle-of-the-road or centrist set of ideas and policies will be enough to undo it, and it must be undone. Because of that, I think America and the world need a new Tina, one with impact. And I think it's a progressive this is or has no alternative. And there's nobody better to show the way than Columbia University's Nobel Prize winning economist, Joseph E. Stieglitz, who is a champion of progressive capitalism. What's interesting about his analysis is that Stieglitz doesn't start with economics, even though he's an economist. He begins with democracy. Early on in his, his well-written 2019 book entitled People, Power, and Profits, Progressive Capitalism for an Age of Discontent, Stieglitz writes, and I quote, no economic changes will be achievable without a strong democracy to offset the political power of concentrated wealth. Before economic reform, there needs to be political reform. He's right. Wealth runs America. A combination of tax cuts and electoral policies, political changes, fiscal preferences, and broad-based institutional changes have conspired to create neoliberal America. And let me add yet another item to the list, public beliefs and attitudes, public preferences. The thinking that Thatcher espoused long ago, back in the 70s and 80s, is very much evidence in society today, both here and abroad. And it's a big reason why economic inequality prevails. Here's more from Joseph Stieglitz. He writes, greater economic inequality is leading, and it does so in our money-driven political system, 
to more political inequality because there are weaker rules and deregulation, which causes still more economic inequality. Progressive capitalism isn't like warmed over progressive neoliberalism. It replaces neoliberalism, and this is very important. It doesn't do away with capitalism. Instead, it provides a countervailing force, which neoliberalism by design has weakened intentionally. What's that? Progressive capitalism elevates the role of the public sector so that the public sector does what only the public sector can do. And neoliberalism by design, Tina by design, has weakened significantly the public sector, not only in Britain, not only in the US, but around the world. I like the work of Richard North Peterson because I think he expresses what Stieglitz has just said. And I'm quoting Peterson. Progressive capitalism acknowledges government's role in protecting the environment, investing in infrastructure, technology, research, and education, ensuring competition, preventing corporations from exploiting its workers, and guarding against the undue influence of powerful institutions and individuals who believe that their sole mission is to liberate themselves from all legal constraints and moral considerations. Strong language. Peterson continues, let's understand that the market, and that's the center for Tina and neoliberalism, can't do what the public sector can and must do. And I quote again, the market can deliver a Pareto optimum solution for the production and sale of widgets, but not everything in the world is a widget. Market cannot buy, markets cannot by themselves provide optimization for insurance or common property, and especially for primary education, for healthcare, for safety, public safety, or large-scale research and development that is in the public interest. The conclusion then is clear. There is a vital role for the public sector to play. And if there's anything that the pandemic has taught us, it's this. The public sector is failing America. We need more and better performance from it. As I reflect about Tina, neoliberalism, and I think about it historically, but looking through it, through, at it through today's lens, not just from Thatcher's perspective of 40 years ago, it reminds me of the prologue in L.P. Hartley's novel, The Go-Between, written, actually published in 1953. If you're familiar with that novel, you know that the protagonist, now in his 60s, begins the book by discovering a box from his childhood, a box that contains his diary from the year 1900. He reads a Boolean thoughts written by himself, then a teenager, about what he believes will be the beginning of a golden age. Well, we know that future never arrived. A world war, a global economic depression, and another world war came instead. And there are several lines from that novel that really speak to me. The first one is memorable. The past is like a foreign country. They do things differently there and a foreigner is compelled to listen to it. 
Peanut strikes me that way. Neoliberalism strikes me that way. It's time to stop living in the past, listening to a language we don't speak primarily. Progressive capitalism is the new Tina. There really is no alternative. Thank you for listening. This is Frank Fear. You've been listening to Under the Radar, and I certainly hope our paths will cross again very, very soon.